This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I like to call it, Dear Grace and Hank. Uh, This is the weekly podcast where I, Hank Green, and usually John Green, but this week the amazing Grace Helbig answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. But first, Grace, do you have a poem for us? Yes, I do. Here we go. Ready? It's an original. Levon sells cartoon balloons in town. His family business thrives. Jesus blows up balloons all day, sits on the porch swing watching them fly. And Jesus, he wants to go to Venus, leaving Levon far behind. Take a balloon and go sailing while Levon, Levon slowly dies. So, it's, there's a lot of symbolism. It's, um... Uh, I, I wrote this in like third grade. This is actually, yeah, this is an excerpt from my diary. I had a crush on this kid named Levon, and I really, he didn't like me back, so I wished that he would die. And there's something about balloons. You liked balloons then, too. Yeah, I was at a kid's birthday party. It was, it got complicated. Levon just didn't want any of this. It would be, it would actually, how wonderful would it have been if you could have actually found, I should have people do that. Bring on your childhood poetry. <gasps> oh my God. Can do you, you have any nearby? No. I have this that you can't see in this audio podcast, but it's a papoose hanging on my wall that uh-huh. I made in fourth grade when we were studying oh. Native Americans and social studies. Well, I take that back. My dad made it on my behalf for a project <laughs> in fourth grade in which my teacher instantly knew that I didn't make it. Yeah, no, I would not have said that that was something a fourth grader did. No, not at all. But it has lasted till now. I'm 29 years old and I think I was eight. And you had just in, you've got that just in case you yeah. have a baby shows up. Yeah, that's my baby Bjorn. It's just a pile of sticks on the wall with some burlap <laughs> str- strung and, to it. And, and, a, and a yellowed piece of paper with typewritten text on it yeah. that I'm sure says something very sentimental. Absolutely. And there's so many spelling mistakes in that thing, but it was at the time where you wrote everything on typewriters, so yeah. you didn't want to go back. Yeah. You're like, yep, this stays. This is just how a tribe is spelled without an E on the end. Trib. That's trib. It's mm. a great trib. Everybody, if you don't know who Grace Helbig is, uh, that's a surprise. But um, she uh, she has her own podcast here on on whatever platform you're using you're using your, to listen to this podcast. It's called Not Too Deep with Grace Helbig. It's a lot like this podcast, except nothing at all like it because <laughs> because we talk about existential crises and death and uh, and and dealing with uh, grief and yeah. uh, and leaving your friends behind. Mm. And you uh, specifically have titled your podcast in a way that if if anything like that happens, you can quote the title of the podcast yeah. and turn it right around. I mentally eject myself from those situations. Yeah, this podcast is essentially everything that gets repressed on my podcast. <laughs> and I started my podcast as a uh, 
based off of Rhett and Link's podcast because mm-hmm. Ear Biscuits, their podcast is so deep. Yeah, they're, they're like, so tell me about your family. Yeah, they sit yeah. in a dark room, they make you feel too comfortable, and then they ask you all of your secrets and insecurities, and you just tell them because they, you trust them. And they're they like, have such soothing voices. Oh, and they play good cop, bad cop, but even their bad cop is still kind of a good cop, and so you just yeah. you trust. And yeah. so I left um, that podcast feeling... Very vulnerable, and so I wanted to make a space on the uh, podcast area that made people not feel vulnerable. That was just full of dumb. Yeah, my favorite thing. I like dumb too. Thanks. It's one of my favorite ways to describe something in a complimentary way. If I say like "that's yeah. so dumb," I'm like, "that's really great." Yeah. Turn it around. Mm-hmm. It's like how hot's cool. Hot's. Oh yeah! Wow. What? How being hot is cool. No, like the word hot and the word cool mean the same thing. Dope. <laughs> this is just us aging ourselves in an audible way. This on, is like on fleek. It's yeah. Am I in fleek right now? <laughs> I want to make a video about on fleek. I'm fascinated uh, by on fleek. Anyway, I don't get it. It's just another. I have a whole series of thoughts mm-hmm. about not just on fleek, but every word that All means cool, of yep. which there are. In every generation, dozens. Yeah. And I they say, last for such a small amount of time, but they also they sort of stick around a while, like hip and groovy. <laughs> yeah. I try and use tuna saying that as a means to say cool. Oh. So that's tuna because there used to be, a, I don't know, it might still be on this reality show called Wicked Tuna. It was about these Boston tuna fishermen, and so it's called Wicked Tuna. And so I used to say things that were cool were Wicked Tuna. And then I just shortened it to tuna. And it hasn't caught on the way like Fleek has, but... <laughs> you just need to, need to get the viners to I, get on, on your tuna trend. I know. God damn. Uh, That's where all the trends start now on Vine, isn't it? Yep, 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 yep. Oh, good to know. Um, my favorite is, uh, is sort of like 20s slang, and it was mm-hmm. particularly when a show went really Really well, a reviewer would say, or, or like the press would say that it was boffo, B-O-F-F-O. Boffo? I've never heard that before. Yeah, and it, and it sort of for a little while became sort of like to mean awesome in general, but only for a tiny bit. And uh, and having watched a bunch of old movies, occasionally I will hear or see the word boffo, and I'll be like, this word, where did it go? Bring it back. It sounds like a child with a speech impediment trying to say bravo. Like yeah, they're like, yeah, maybe... You're like, close enough, kid. That might, that might be where it comes from. I wish that there's just an Italian little boy that started this trend. Buffo! <laughs> Buffo! See? It sounds just like it. Uh, yeah, words. I never know. People are living for everything now. I live for that. Yeah, people live for that or they die. <laughs> right. So I don't understand. It's just like being hot and cool. Yeah, I know. It's just extremes. We're just all extremists, I guess. Neither we live for it or we die. Yep. No, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. It's very Shakespearean of these kids. <laughs> very Shakespearean. <laughs> all right. Do you want to answer a question? From- yes. Kendall asks, Dear Grace and Hank, if you were to create a hybrid of two animals, what would the two animals be and what would you call your new species, smiley face emoticon? Oh, a hybrid of two animals. What about like a, 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 a scorpion? No, already veto. And a, and a pelican. <laughs> a, can you imagine? The, like a, a pelican, pelican front and a scorpion back. But like... Scorpelican. A scorpelican. Uh, so basically we're just shipping animals right now. That's what's happening. <laughs> no. Well, you... I guess, because you do have to get them together to make the hybrid thing. To mate in some so, way. So yeah, we are shipping animals. Would you want, though, a pelican-sized, like, scorpion tail? Isn't that where the poison is? Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I don't. Does it... If you if were to create... That doesn't mean that I want to have one in my life. Oh. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, okay, I get this game now. Um, yeah, what would I, what would I, okay, I think I'd want like an elephant seal, which, you know, mm-hmm. Mabry and I say that's kind of our spirit animal every now and then. Um, an elephant seal probably mixed with like, um, I want to say like uh, a, an eagle. Elephant seagull. An elephant seagull. <laughs> no, no, that's a seagull now. <laughs> Darn it. That's just a mix of an elephant and a seagull. That's just a giant seagull. We just created a giant seagull. 
<laughs> I know, that's true. An elephant seal is essentially an elephant and a seal already come together. So I'm trying to make a hybrid of what is already a hybrid. That's wrong. I had to make something pure. Okay. No, oh no, an elephant seal is pure. I, I, you can't, you can't, just because we, we thought that they looked like those two things. I don't mean to things. offend all of you elephant seals that download this podcast on a weekly basis. I don't, <laughs> I sincerely don't mean to polarize you. Um, okay, let me think of something that's like more, more of a pure, this is where I'm like, what are animals? <laughs> what animals exist? Oh, well, hmm. Okay, see, I keep choosing, like, I wanted to say a sea otter, but then I'm like, that's already a hybrid. That's a seal and a dog got together, and they made a sea otter, <laughs> which is, like, my favorite animal of all well, time. Well, yeah, so you don't, you want you want a seal and a dog to get together and make an animal, just, it just happens that that's already happened. Uh, yeah, I think maybe this is just leading me to believe that all I, I just want a sea otter in my life at some point. Um, okay, what about a, a ladybug and a giraffe so it'd be like the teeny tiniest little giraffe of all time with like a like a carapace and it can fly yeah <gasps> that sounds great a lady giraffe a lady giraffe rolls <laughs> off the tongue <laughs> <laughs> a lady raff <laughs> yeah sounds great uh i'm into it or a gerbug Jerbug. Jerbug. I was thinking a gerbil when you said gerbug. I, I was like a bug gerbil. A bug. Yeah, and then I started thinking, what could you put a gerbil with and make it more interesting? <laughs> this is basically like, what animal could you add to an animal to make it a more interesting or more useful animal? Yeah. This could go on for hours. <laughs> so we, can we just make an animal into something that would be a very nice mattress? If we could get enough animals combined, so it'd be like a, a nice, warm, living mattress that just wouldn't bug me and I could sleep on it. Because I'm very tired right now. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, you want a living mattress? I don't think. I, I mean, that's a waterbed. No. <laughs> I mean, there might be like things living in the waterbed, but Have hopefully. Have you ever had a waterbed? I've been on a waterbed, but I've, not, I've certainly never slept on one regularly. No, I don't think I've ever slept on. I've like laid on one, but I don't think I've think ever I, like. Slept I think at I night. slept on one at like a, a sleepover once. Yeah, that was like a childhood dream when I first found out that a waterbed existed. I was like, <gasps> and then I heard some crazy, like, possibly made-up story that, like, someone drowned in their waterbed. <laughs> and then I was like, no longer want or need. Pretty sure that was made up. I know. But you never know. Jersey kids, so we had to do something to occupy our time. Okay, we got a question. Yes. This is from Aaron, who asks, Dear Hank and Grace, I've recently moved to a small town for a job where it seems like I don't have much in common with the locals. I'm a huge nerd, and so far everyone I've met seems to only enjoy sports. I've been invited to many more basketball games than board games. In addition, I suffer pretty bad with social anxiety, and I am an introvert, and so I can't seem to muster up the courage or motivation to do something I just won't enjoy. How can I meet like-minded people with similar interests? Mm. There's a thing called the internet, <laughs> I think, that might be a helpful solution. Um, Just never leave the house? Yeah, I think one, you, this isn't bad. Like, this is not a bad problem. And I've only recently resigned this in my brain for myself over the past couple of years that I used to think being an introvert was a bad thing. And mm -hmm. it's, it's not. It just means that you gather your energy when you're alone rather than socializing with other people. When you socialize, it depletes your energy. And there are people that are extroverts that gain their energy from being around other people. And so I think acknowledging that you're an introvert is great because mm -hmm. then you, you have like now... A, data yeah on yeah. yourself and you can figure out how to manage yourself in situations and knowing that you don't enjoy sports matches are great this is i think this is really good deductive reasoning to get to the thing that you yeah. really want to do that you will enjoy it's like when i look to order food and i don't know what i want i start thinking what do i not want and then i mark all those things off until i end up with it's always sushi oh. i just always want sushi all the time that's yeah you know you mark off pizza before you get to sushi. Very I do. Weird. The Very cheese. Weird. I can't do the cheese. Mm, I can do the cheese. Do you know one time I, 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 used, to, I used to dumpster dive uh, and, really? and, in, in college. I used to eat, eat a lot of food out of dumpsters. and I uh, As like a personal choice or like as a money-saving thing? It was like a money-saving thing, yeah. Okay. But also a personal choice. Okay. Um, and I, I could have made, made it work with buying, <laughs> buying food. I was one, like, yeah, ramen is very cheap. <laughs> one time I... Uh, I was in, uh, is that the Pizza Hut dumpster? Okay. I think it was Pizza Hut. Sure. And I found, you know, oftentimes there would be like whole pizzas. Oh, yeah. Um, but I found just a huge, like, 
10 pound ball of <laughs> of like melted and then re-congealed cheese. Oh my god. Like they had put the bag of cheese too close to the oven oh. and it had all melted and then they couldn't sprinkle it on the pizza and so they just threw it away. <laughs> so it just looked like a rubber band ball? No, no, no it was just it was just giant. That's so It was like and it was like it. difficult to lift. I did take it. <laughs> I did. Well, that, you know, so maybe that's a sport that you could get into. It's dumpster diving for recently congealed cheese. Uh, but I would say that I, I have also found that uh, I, doing things, sometimes I surprise myself that I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you sort of get to see, like, what is it about this thing that people enjoy? Right. And I, um, and and there are lots of different, like, I go to baseball games in my little town sure. where there's, you know, it's like the, the farm team for the farm team. It's, it's, it's They're not very good. <laughs> the sport but they're much better than me and they're all teenagers and sure um i uh and like you know you go and there's hot dogs right and there's uh, you know it's fresh like fresh air yeah you're outside and you, there's people that yeah you, and mostly it's a it's a social experience like like and it's sort of more social than going to a movie or something because there's a lot of sort of downtime oh which yeah not too much is happening especially in baseball <laughs> it's like what is what is this? Why well, he just keeps throwing it and nothing happens? I know. I, I do enjoy baseball games, but every time I go to one, I think, why? Why? Why is why? it this thing? <laughs> this is just, it doesn't have that much going for it. No, not at all. Not at all. I also think, yeah, when you, if you try to think about a situation from a different point of view, you, like you said, can surprise yourself on what you might enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. Even if you start to find one small, like... Mm, if it's just a hot dog. Yeah. I go to baseball games and I always, almost always think to myself, well, I'm going to get a hot dog. Yeah. So that's not, that's not going to be bad. Exactly. <laughs> and it's always good to remember, no matter what situation, whether you are going to a board game night or you are going to a soccer game, is to stay positive and open-minded. This is something I have to remind myself all the time because... I will, I'm also very socially anxious and an introvert. So when I go out, I already have like my radar up that I'm going to have a moment that I don't enjoy mm-hmm. and I have to catch myself because that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. So if I think about things positively, you can, like people have said, you can choose happiness. You can choose uh, to be optimistic about the way you experience your life and it changes a lot of things. Also, if you talk to some of those people that love sports, you might find out that they also love the nerdy things that you are interested in as right. well. People yeah. can have a lot of different things that they like. Mm-hmm. Totally. Turns out. Um, and if there's a game store in your town, I know that this is terrifying. The idea, the idea of this is probably terrifying. It would yeah. certainly be terrifying to me. Going to a game store and being like, hey, so anybody play games? I could just introduce me to some strangers and we can play some board games oh together. God. I would never do that, but it is a thing that exists. It's a possibility. People do do that. Yeah, I, I have friends who do that. Like, they move to a new town and they like show, go to the game store and they're like, hey, any Magic the Gathering tournaments? And I'm like, well, I would just talk to a total str- So, but I, would, I will say that... Uh, because something is scary doesn't necessarily mean that your body is telling you not to do it. Right. Um, and and I, you know, oftentimes the scary things end up being the most interesting and the most fun and, and where I learn the most about myself and about other people. Yeah, I live by the philosophy, follow your fear. It's an improv philosophy mm. um, because, you know, doing improv on stage is inherently very terrifying yeah. because you have no yeah. idea what's about to happen. Uh-huh. And so you follow your fear because fear comes from a place where you, you're feeling this thing about something because you care about it. If you didn't care about it, there would be no feeling about mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, but fear usually usually comes from a place of care. And so when you follow it, it's really interesting to see where you find yourself. Sometimes it's not where you want to be, but sometimes it is. And yeah. So take a chance. You only live once. We're all going to die someday. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> You're getting the hang of it. I'm getting right the hang away. of it. Mortality is looming around all of us. Um, Should I read Isaac's question? Yeah, please. Okay, Isaac asks, Dear Grace and Hank, I want to study physics in college. However, I am quite sure that I will not get into Harvard or Yale or any really fancy school. Do you think it's still possible to make a contribution to the scientific community, parentheses, this doesn't apply just to physics, end parentheses, without going to an incredibly challenging slash expensive university, question mark. Thanks. Yeah, yes. The answer to your question is yes. Most yeah. physicists didn't go to Harvard or Yale or any fancy school. Yeah. Um, most people that do really interesting things in a variety of fields didn't go to the greatest school for the thing that they've done something cool within. Yeah. I mean, like, it's... it. 
there are advantages to going to fancy schools with big reputations and like you know it's nice to be able to be like ah, I'm a Harvard physicist and people will be like yes you are legit and that is clear yeah. to me from that from those two words put together yeah but there are lots of lots of schools where I mean I went to I got my chemistry degree from a tiny liberal arts school where there were in my year four chemistry graduates wow like, really yeah Jesus. So I, and I got a great education. I learned a lot. I did applied research. I, you know, yeah. I like, I, you know, smaller schools, you can get a lot more attention. And really oh, until yes. graduate school, it doesn't really matter that much if you're going to be a physicist. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it can, but like, you know, establishing yourself, like there's a lot of different ways to do that and a lot of different ways like in, in undergrad to, and yeah, it is not about what school you go to. No, not at all. I when uh, I got my communications degree um, from a small liberal arts college, and when I first went, my first semester, I was like so bummed by the school, and the, you know, it had no notoriety behind mm-hmm. it that I started filling out transfer applications to NYU and to you know to Tisch and all these schools in New York City that I thought were more legitimate and by default would make me a more legitimate. Mm-hmm communications yep. major and then I ended up staying at my school because I got a scholarship there and you know that's a good reason to stay and I realized that the study the individualized study that I got because it was such a small school was so much more meaningful in the long term of my career and world and trajectory than me being one of a billion kids right. at NYU trying to be a communications major um so yeah, eat NYU. Just kidding. Also, you can just buy the sweatshirt and no one will know that you didn't go to Harvard or Yale. So it's okay. They sell those shirts everywhere. Elizabeth asks, Dear Hank and Grace, I just recently graduated from college and I'm feeling highly anxious at the realization that I'm never going to live near all of my closest friends again and at the prospect of making new friends and acting like an adult. So... I've gotten so comfortable with my friends that I feel really uncomfortable around new people. Do you have any advice for dealing with the real-world making of new friends slash starting your new life as a quote-unquote real person? Whoa! Well, just resign yourself to it. It's gonna be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, like, this question has, like, a specific element, which is, like, I have to make new friends, and a non-specific element of, I'm terrified of life. Yeah, well, that's, you know, story of my life. (laughs) Both of those things are real issues. Well, that's, I lived for so long, and I wrote about this in, in my book, hey, book plug, um, I lived for so long believing that you could not make friends as an adult. I just could, I, <laughs> I thought that. I thought that you made your friends in like your formative, like adolescent years, and those were the friends that you just carried through life. And I didn't have a lot of friends when I was in, you know, middle school and high school and college. And so I would get really anxious and upset that I wasn't going to have friends for the rest of my life. And then I got involved in activities like improv comedy and like YouTube and started becoming parts of communities. And within those communities, finding like-minded people that had my sense of humor and were interested in the same things that I was interested in and me you know, making a point to be open to having relationships with these people led me to some of the best friends that I have in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's terrifying. It's It means you put yourself out there. Yeah. I mean, every day you could make a best friend. It's like finding a relationship, like finding a romantic relationship. You have to be open for it to to be in your life. Um, and Yeah, it's funny because we have all this infrastructure around finding romance and like all of this cultural stuff and baggage. And so like many the, websites. The procedure of dating and, and oh, apps yeah. and, and just all these cultural institutions. But we don't really have that for friends. No, you no one just, teaches you how to make friends. No, it's yeah. either like it's this person who's next door to me in my dorm or the pers- the people I, who like were on my track team in high school. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, and, and like, and, and also like, I had it's one of the crazy rewarding things for me about having uh, uh, hired a bunch of young people to help edit video and, and run run 
businesses uh, for me is that mm-hmm. like I've just watched them all become buds. Yeah. And they're like, go out and do stuff and play board games. And I'm like, I just like, I like, I did this. I'll just like I did poke, this my, for you. Yeah, I'll poke my head in and like, it'll be like seven o'clock at night and I'll be leaving work. And I'm like, why are there still people here? And I'll put my head in there. It is like it, in the studio, like they've got the board, like the table set up in this huge board game. And I'm like, what are you nerds doing? And they're like, dad, get out of here. Stop embarrassing us. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's yeah. It, it, there's so many. I I think I've learned. This is so sad. When I was in college, I I remember freshman year of college. I had such a bad uh, adjustment to college, and I didn't make like any friends. And I was so like depressed and sad and anxious. And I remember going to the um like i guess just a general area where there's all these bulletin boards and clubs put up their flyers for everything because i remember the night before laying in bed thinking to myself on a very sincere level how do you make friends like how how do you break it down how do you do give me the right words to say exactly (laughs) i'm like what is the process and so my thinking and like trying to analyze it led me to to believe that I should put myself in clubs where there are people that could potentially be friends. And so I went the next day and stood in front of the bulletin board and looked at all these like clubs and thought to myself like which would be make the most sense for me to join. And I joined one like volunteer like activism-ish type of club. I don't even remember what it was. And I showed up and there were like three people there and they were all just doing it so they could have this club on their resume. And I was like, well, this totally failed and then I would go back like to my drawing board in my dorm room and be like now what do I do oh I guess I should get some hobbies and a job a job you make friends that you have fellow like co-workers <laughs> and so I got a job yeah it's you just have to like constantly put yourself out there mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I it's I'd say that, you know, most of my friends I made in school, like even now, because yeah. I went to grad school in the place where I currently live. And so, so a lot of my grad school friends still live there and, oh God, it's yeah. so hard. Like, and, and when I look at how those friendships formed, it had a lot to do with like one or two really mm-hmm. like intentional people who were like, we're going to become friends. We're yeah. going to do activities and like yeah. really like guilting people into doing stuff because we were all like, <laughs> I just want to sit at home. Oh and, yeah. And also being like, look, I'll pay. I'll like, it'll be my car. I'll get the gas. Like Uh really like lowering. And like, I'm so thankful to those people. Right. And, and, and like, you can't like intentionally find one of those people, but you could potentially intentionally become one of those people. Yes. And like, if you can find a group of people who are like, just like you, or they're like, sort of be like, look, let's go karaoke. It's going to be dumb. Right. And it's an activity. We don't have to talk to each other the whole time. We can like ease into this friendship and getting to know each other. Yeah. Sit around and just watch other people make fools of themselves. You don't even have to do it. Exactly. It is true because there. Being friends with someone is is work. Friendships are work. You, I'm one of those, I'm a beta mm-hmm. personality, so I'm not an alpha. I don't take charge and plan things and organize events and like rally people together, but I make really good friends with alphas because <laughs> of that factor that I, I need someone like that to do that for me. But there have been times in my life where I've been like, I really like that person. Grace, just ask them to hang out with you. Like, just <laughs> ask them. And I'm like, oh, God, what if I ask them and they say no? It's like, then they say no. You continue yeah. both living your lives and you ask again at another point. Yeah, it was weird. I, I remember, so once I had, once Catherine and I were pretty, well, we weren't married yet, but we were real real close. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were on in that trajectory. <laughs> I think it was clear by that point. Uh, we went out... And, like, we met a couple of new people who Uh were friends of friends. Yeah. And, like, we went home and we were like, I really like them. (laughs) I know. When you, like, couple date. Yeah. And it was like, what's, like, is the, this seems like, I feel like I have a crush on the couple. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, there's like, looking at this, I'm like, what a, like, nerdy 27 year old thing like yeah. stable relationship thing to feel like oh we can watch old movies with them right we can do activities together <laughs> but then you would think like oh we have conversations like this because we've both had those feelings that think about every other person that's having those right. same feelings yeah. and someone else that's waiting on the other end of the line hoping that you will ask them to hang out and like yeah. you'll be surprised it's like these all kind of have like a running theme of like 
putting yourself out there and following your fear into yeah. a place that might be really beneficial for yourself. Offer to cook them dinner. Oh, that's a good. It's a really good one because then they come yeah. over to your place and like you're comfortable there, but yeah. like you're doing them a favor, so they feel like they kind of like it's okay to like get out of their comfort zone a little. Totally. Or make them cook you dinner. Okay. Just be like, hey, can that's- you cook me dinner? <laughs> Hey, I think you're great. Would you cook me dinner so that we can become best friends? <laughs> I, yeah, when there's something like that, like, or even if it's like, like a couple wanting to hang out with another couple, I think activities like, you know, a taco night or something where yeah. everyone can be involved in doing something mm-hmm. while having conversation and like right. eating, drinking, whatever, being social it's it's always helpful to just have an activity so that people don't feel totally uncomfortable with right. themselves. Which is why board games exist. Yes, it's true. This is why nerds love board games so much. It's so that we can <laughs> hang out with people without interacting. I know that game. Um, okay. I'm going to go to Rosie because I skipped her. Go to Rosie? Yeah. Okay, Rosie asks, Dear Grace and Hank, I am an aspiring writer and filmmaker, but it seems as if everyone I meet who is aspiring to do those same things are more talented and better situated to succeed. Should I keep trucking on or do I attempt to find a more sustainable career path that might not be my quote unquote dream? Any advice? How did you motivate yourselves when you were starting out? Hoof. Hoof. Woofy doofy. Wowie zowie. Um, I, uh, yeah, I feel like all things that you could be doing with your time are training for being a writer and filmmaker. If you want that thing, you can be doing anything. Mm-hmm. Because writing is all about empathy, understanding people, understanding yourself, and being able to like, like put down words that other people will enjoy and that you will know that they will enjoy it without having them look at it first. Yeah, and also... Um there's I I can say that I have constant self doubt that I'm not good at what I'm doing and everyone else around me is much more suited for this so I should be doing something else. At the end of the day, it, you have to take like analyze what it is that you're doing and does it make you happy? Do you enjoy it? Does it um, financially? You know, does it? Can you make money during it? Can you yeah, be support if, yourself? Yeah, yeah, can you have a stable life? with this both emotionally and financially um and you but if it doesn't if you actually think this is because there's been moments in my life where i thought my dream job was something and then when i analyzed it i realized no i actually that's Mm -hmm. not my dream i've always said that that's my dream but it's really not so this might be a moment in which you analyze this and you don't want to do at writing or filmmaking or you do and if you do you just keep going because I always say when I get asked about making web videos and like building your brand online that it's consistency over time and mm-hmm. you you really have to be dedicated and for me it's taken a long time to realize that uh, not having overnight success is the most beneficial thing oh yeah because that's Oof. such a stressful thing it's so hard I mean like I always say kudos to Jenna Marbles for really truly being mm-hmm. able to you know build off of a viral video and create and sustain a brand but it's so hard to do that Mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen very easily yeah and it can be really emotionally awful like it can be so such like you don't know what is you don't know what your goals are it's just this thing that's happening to you and Mm -hmm. then there are lots of people who are trying to turn you into something valuable for them absolutely which was like it's really nice to have a nice slow uphill yeah it makes you appreciate it because you have you have moments of minor success mm-hmm. that make you appreciate bigger successes in your life so much more. And I always think that it's it's really it's good to not believe that you're the absolute best at something. Oh God, does anybody you, think that? And you know that always makes when someone is you know like I'm number one, I'm this, I'm like has that kind of elitist <laughs> mentality. I get so anxious for them because. My parents have really instilled a level of humility in me as a human being. And I feel like if I ever begin to believe that I'm the best at something, I need to stop doing that thing because I will become a monster. Yeah. And so thinking that you're not the greatest is kind of good to keep you're you balanced. All, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know anyone who really feels that way. I think some people maybe project that in order yeah. to like... Mass you know, I'm, I'm crushing it. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, nobody thinks that they are like... I have always, like, I 
was just at this, you know, YouTube conference for educational content creators, and I'm in the room with like the Jim Henson Company and Sesame Street and all, you know, like really old school uh, brands that make really amazing things that I'm so enamored of, and and uh, and like. Of course, like I yeah. kind of look at it and I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here, and why am I even trying? Like, I should be working for one of these companies, not trying yeah. to do my own thing. Yeah. Like, if if that's even possible, and but at the same time, it's like I like the thing I do, mm-hmm. and maybe and like they seem to think that I am good at it. <laughs> I think Kermit so, the Frog just showed up next to you yeah, and you guys like, sang over the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I yeah I think everybody always feels like a little bit of a faker. I've always felt like a little bit of a faker. Yeah, because none of us actually know what we're doing in this whole universe but and the, everything. But the thing that is great about you know what what uh, Rosie's thinking about as a career is mm-hmm. that creating is really valuable whether or not it's your career or not. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who uh, are able to and are really rewarded by the things that they make despite mm-hmm. the fact that like you know this isn't something that they make money off of no it's and i've always kept myself in check in that am i doing this for only financial reasons right, right. now if i am i can go wait tables and make money like what yeah. am i doing this for am i doing it because this is something i'm actually passionate about and really enjoy and am proud of the content that i'm creating um in terms of her asking about motivating yourself when you're starting out, I I think there's a couple different ways that I motivate myself. And one is when I'm feeling not inspired, not the best, feeling like a poser, feeling like I'm not good at what I'm doing, I submerge myself in people that I think are doing it really well. Mm-hmm. I remember starting out and watching Colleen do Miranda Sings and just feeling this like inspiration of this is the funniest thing. Mm-hmm. I want to do stuff like this and mm-hmm. like let that inspire me and infuse into like the way I make videos. Mm-hmm. And every time that I start to have one of those dips or like I'm creatively tapped out right now, I'll just go and watch videos or movies or read books about from people that I think are really creative and are at the level that I hope to be at someday. Um, I also create in other areas. Mm-hmm. Like I'm supposed to be writing my second book right now and I'm so hitting a wall with it that I just went and bought some shirts and some transferable paper and some paint <laughs> pens the other day and I made myself some t-shirts all day the other day. And I felt really good after that because creativity kind of lends itself to other forms of creativity. And so um, it sounds like you're a creative person and maybe you will get re-inspired by kind of doing something else that's creative that gives your brain a second away from the writing and the filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Get some beads. Make some bracelets. See what happens. Here's a really awful thing about me. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-oh. So I've made a lot of stuff in my life. Okay. And sometimes when I'm feeling like I suck Mm -hmm. and I'm not good at anything, Mm -hmm. I'll go and watch old me videos okay. or old yeah. or like read old Hank essays and be like that was funny yeah that's a funny guy <laughs> he's pretty so I feel like if you make stuff you can like at least like so I mean and and of course sometimes I watch an old Hank video and I'm like sure. that was awful oh yeah what the heck was going on that week uh-huh but uh I I'm really you know like if you the more stuff you make the yeah. more stuff that you make that you actually end up being proud of and, oh. and if you can be proud of something that you made mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to uh to get down on yourself about it yeah i i'm i mean i'm awful too i do that same thing yeah because there's a handful of videos and a handful of like live performances that i've done in my life that i'm really really proud of and think like good job old me you yeah really we're creative uh and i don't know where that came from yeah, and who, the, yeah. Yeah, who is that person yeah. that's being so like free and clever <laughs> and interesting and yeah and so that's it's also really motivating and it's hard to and, and you can't cultivate those things and you can't yeah. have that have those special moments where you like sort of exceed your ex, your own expectations of yourself unless yeah. you try a bunch like yeah. it's gonna be ten percent of the time that you actually make something that you're like, you know, years later you'll be like, wow, I know, am I that good? Can I really? Can I? Can I write that well? And then when you're done with your existential crisis about who you are based on who you were, maybe you'll find some sort of inspiration there. Yeah, it's, it's um, never too deep here on Dear Hank and. No, John. we're all gonna die someday. <laughs> That's how I answer every question. That's also how I motivate. Um, myself a lot of the time it sounds so insane 
but we were on set. <laughs> Hannah Hart and I were on set shooting Electro and Dina Girl, and we had a couple of days where we had to do some really intense scenes with each other. Um, and we would like Hannah was having trouble one day doing this like really intense fight scene that we had to do with each other, and I literally right before the take just whispered to her, "We're all gonna die someday, so why not?" <laughs> try something interesting in this take and then like walked away and afterwards she was like dude that really helped I just was like yeah screw all these people watching me like we're all gonna be dead so I may as well try and do something that I think is really interesting and totally cool and free out of my brain then to like (laughs) I mean to quote the great philosopher Drake uh, (laughs) you only live once yeah Cassie asks dear Hank and Grace what TV show would you go back in time to be in? Hmm. What, do you have one? No. Uh, no, not at all, or you need time to think? Oh, well, I'll give me, yeah. I, my instinct, like my initial response is Friends. Mm. Because You'd be so great on Friends! Uh, oh my, that, made, that makes me sad just <laughs> thinking about it. Well, one, I'm for a practical s- reason, because they got a two-bedroom apartment in the Lower East Side, and they were both broke. And how that, that doesn't happen in New York at all. So they lived in some wonderful, beautiful fantasy place. Um, two, I think that... Uh, Phoebe is one of the funniest female characters on TV it's that's so, so underrated. It's so funny. When I, when I watched Friends as a kid, yeah. I hated Phoebe. Right. Going back, she's the only character I actually like that I would like want to hang out with. Yeah. The rest of them are kind of awful. Yeah, the rest of them are very and narcissistic. Like, yeah, super, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, she's the only one who's not a... And she's a bit of a narcissist. She's, but she's but, completely self-aware about yeah, it in yeah. this bizarre, floaty, <laughs> yeah. like, hippie, urethral thing. But she's... um. Yeah, I think she's one of the funniest she's TV so characters, funny. especially as a female that you look back on. Yeah. And they all were great. Like that's like yeah. that show. Yeah, that show is fantastic. You can watch. I watched. We. I, I just recently rewatched the whole thing, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's why this was so popular. Exactly. <laughs> you can watch any episode at any time without yeah. any context before or after of the storyline and laugh within thirty seconds yeah. at someone. It's I, I. So that's my initial answer. So would you want to be a main character on Friends? Or you want to like like just? Show I think I'd like show to be up? like a Gunther. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. like there all the time. Right. It's just like in the background and has a couple like moments that gets to like have craft services in between takes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think something like that. Um, I was uh, my my uh, I would love to have been on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm. Uh, I just like put me in Ferengi makeup and and make me uh, spout about capitalism. Uh, I would love that. That was Whoopi Goldberg on that. Yeah, yeah. I watched. I was there. She, when she was like the Gunther of Star Trek: yeah. Next Generation. Well, because she asked. She basically asked for a part on the show. Oh. She told it to Hannah when Hannah interviewed her in New York. Oh. She's like, um, it's Lavar Burton that's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that he was saying, you know, or she was, they were having a conversation about there wasn't enough African-Americans in the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, why don't you just ask? And so she like called up the <laughs> creators and was like, give me a part. And they were like, they what were do like, you want to be? She was like, bartender. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? Uh, which I thought was so cool. And you're like, God, you've just always been powerful, haven't you, Whoopi? Seriously. Uh, and I was, the, when, but when the question, when you first looked at me and said, do you have an answer for this? My uh-huh. thought was Twin Peaks. Oh, see, I've never seen Twin Peaks. Oh my god! I am sorry, out the window. What? I need, I need that window. Here's my, okay, here's my association with Twin Peaks. When I was in college, the first friends that I did make freshman year were the Bulgarian transfer students that lived on my floor. They were all uh, computer science majors, and they lived there all year round because they didn't go back home to Bulgaria, and they were obsessed with Twin Peaks. <laughs> so they used good. to sit in the common lounge and watch it on TV all together because none of them had TVs in their dorm room and it was hilarious they loved it so so much um but yeah i know you should watch it's on netflix now there's only two seasons right yeah it's like one and a half oh wow the first season is a master like (laughs) it is one of the best things that ever happened on tv it's amazing have they tried to bring it back uh yeah there was an effect that may be coming back (gasps) but lynch you heard it here first had to back out because of like some drama so like the guy who created it isn't working on the reboot right now which is well that's a bummer disappointing you know what's a show that i would love to be on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, wow. That would be fun. Can you imagine? Yeah. Just you and a bunch I, of robots? You, those guys are, like, super active in the nerd community. I'm are like, they? I'm, like, very... 
That's I don't I don't think I've ever hung out with any of them, but I'm hang out with lots of people who hang out with them. So if you ever want to hang out with them, oh my god, my brothers would like. They're die. yeah, they're very to funny quote people. The youth culture, they would live for that. <laughs> um, I yeah, that was one of my first like four years as a a little girl into comedy. My mm-hmm. older brother used to watch Mr. Science Theater 3000 and he would put it on and we'd all have to watch it. And I didn't understand it at all, but I would laugh whenever he laughed. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, that was really funny. That concept is just such a ridiculously yeah. absurd concept. There's a, there's a YouTube show called Welcome to the Basement, mm. which is like Mystery Science Theater, except it, uh, except it's sort of bookended by more serious commentary about the movie. Oh, okay. But they watch old movies, and like then in the middle, they sort of like just take clips from the movie, like the, the funniest moments. Sure. That, their funniest moments, not the shows. Right. But it is... It's it's like a distilled mystery science theater. It's great. It's so fun. I, you, I, I'll give you the link. Please um, do. Yeah. There was a question that... Oh, wait, let me see how long we've been going. Oh, yeah. Oh, we've been going for 1,400 measures. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, there was a question that I didn't put in uh, that, that mostly I just want to ask you this question. Uh-oh. It was such a good question, but it felt very sort of vain. Okay. Uh, because it's sort of just a question that I want to talk with you about that I don't necessarily think that other people would necessarily care about. But how do you decide what opportunities to take? Because oh. lots of people come and knock in, and, yeah. and like, I, I imagine there's a, a number of no's that come out of the mouth of the hellbug. Um, well, I come from, you know, the comedy world background where YouTube wasn't going to be my job. I was auditioning for TV mm-hmm. films, so there's you learn a sense of hustle that you say yes to everything because you have no idea which, you know, friend's pilot or which, mm-hmm. you know, co-worker's um, web short is going to be seen by who and then lead to what. So you, and also <laughs> the general rule in improv is to say yes and. Um, and so <laughs> I've, I've only recently learned about saying no being okay. I have for so long been the person that says yes to everything and then freaks out that I can't do everything and then deals with my internal anxiety of having to potentially let someone down by not doing something. And now I've learned that it is much better for myself and for that person if I just say no outright than yes but. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the long run. <laughs> so I, now, the way that I measure, um, I, I still have a lot of that mentality of wanting to be able to do everything and help everyone, and it probably comes from just like a deep-seated emotional place of just wanting everyone to like me. Right, yeah. Um, but with opportunities, I've also never had a plan. I've never had a five-year plan, a one-year mm-hmm. plan. Um, I've been... Six-hour plan. Yeah, I live in like 15-minute time frames. <laughs> and uh, I've been thinking about getting a plan, but I don't know if that's just my style. I don't know if it works for me. So I say yes to things based on a lot of um, gut reaction. Mm-hmm. I think about... I really, 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 and have since day one of making web videos, put myself in the audience's shoes. Is this book I'm writing, is this movie we're shooting, is this video I'm making something I would want to read or watch or share? And so if it is, then that's a no-brainer. A lot of times I have to really think about it Mm -hmm. and really try and separate myself. Um, And are the people involved in this good people? When we were making the television show, um, my biggest (laughs) kind of grounding philosophy on hiring people was no dicks. I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I can't, I'm very passive, and I just wanted to work in an environment with people that said yes, people Mm -hmm. that liked what they were doing, people that were actually having a good time. And so that's kind of my gauge. What's Mm -hmm. yours? Um, Yeah, it's a gut thing for me, mostly. It's like, since I live in Montana, it's like, I'm a default no, (laughs) which I think weeds out a lot of people from even asking. Well, that's good. Uh, But I I have a lot going on. Like, in the studio, I have to be doing SciShow and Crash Course all the time. Right. And I have people relying on me to to run the business and to make the content so that they can do their jobs. And uh, so that is a a huge limiting factor. So I, I basically don't say yes unless I think it's a good thing for the world or if it's going to make me make it's going to make me do something really cool that I wouldn't have done otherwise. Oh, cool. Um 
or it's gonna make me feel really good. Like it's just gonna like if like I had a, I had a, an asteroid mining company be like, do you want to promote our Kickstarter with Brent Spiner from Star Trek: The Next Generation? And uh-huh. I was like, yes, I I will. I want to do that. I do <laughs> yeah. want to do that. Yes, tell um, those words. <laughs> yes. Can I? Can you give me a certificate saying yeah, I did that? Right. Um, and uh, at, like at an air and space museum, it was like. And like, like, like live streamed from under a giant airplane. It was Jeez, amazing. That's cool. Um, so I, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like I'm a little ashamed for it to be about like, is this going to be a really super cool experience? Right. No, like, that go, has like to going to France with yeah. with Catherine and like, yeah. Yeah, I mean it. it that's when you know Mamrie Hart and I did this travel series at the end of last summer called Hey USA. And it was a series that just developed out of a really organic idea that we travel so much, we should have a sloppy travel show, and just happened to offhandedly mention that in a meeting with a company about something else, and they loved that idea, and it just developed in front of us. And then we both said yes to it because of the experience. Now, looking back on all of the things that we did, in the time it was, it was really fun, but it was also really stressful because it was so much travel in a short period of time. But in hindsight, the experiences we had yeah. would never have happened to us otherwise. Yeah. And um, I was jealous watching that show. You guys looked like you had a lot of cool There might be a season three, so might, there, there might be an opportunity. You know, we tried so hard season one to get them to send us to Montana so that we yeah, could hang out with you. I remember. Yeah, and then they were like, um, so we realized we can't do an entire episode where you just hang at your friend Hank's house all weekend. There's stuff to do. <laughs> I know. That's really I could take deeper. you out for pizza. <laughs> uh, we could go bowling. Well, <laughs> my question to you, is there something out there that you haven't been asked to do yet that you really like hope? Is there like... Oh, kind of. Yeah? Um, I like to give talks. Oh, cool. Uh, I, I, and... But I only like to give talks. Like I don't like to be paid. Sure. That makes sense. That makes perfect like, sense. Thank of course. I, all of these ears perk up. Of like, <laughs> he likes to give talks without financial gain. <laughs> ah, well, uh, we have an auditorium for you. Yeah. But I, uh, I like, I never have time to do it. I've been asked to give commencement speeches several times, and I've like always wanted to, but yeah. never can. Oh, it's, it's just cool. never like it's. I mean, I saw, I watched yours. Yeah, it was one, that was a thing that came up that yeah. I was afraid of, that I was like, no, I should just do this. This sounds, and I didn't get paid for it. Oh, and that right. was the thing online. Everyone was like, I'm pretty sure she got paid for it. And I was like, absolutely not. That yeah. was my college that I went to. And it just seemed like such a cool, honorable thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always like, so I sometimes like make, like I'll like get that bug out to like make a video to the people who are graduating. I've done yeah. that several times now. <laughs> and uh, and so I, but I kind of, would want to like I give I, I've given a couple of sort of TED style talks right, which I really enjoy doing and and I also like there's a part of me that wants to host a science series and whether that's like mini docs or a TV thing but like I would I just I, like the the my favorite some of my favorite things in the world are like nerds talking about science and being excited about it which is what I do on the internet a lot right right but uh, but doing that in like a like a high budget situation would be really cool but a huge amount of work because I would not just I would not let that be like you write all the words down and then I say them like it would have to be something that I you'd want to be really involved yeah yeah that sounds really cool feels like that could be something that happens in the future yeah who knows? Who knows? Thoughts are things. It's now in the universe, so if the secret really works, it's going to happen. <laughs> That's what my mom's told me. Thoughts are things. Is that a phrase that I've just never heard? Thoughts are things. Thoughts are things. I think that's in the secret a whole bunch, where it's like, <laughs> if you think it and you put it out there, then it exists and it grows into something in the universe. My mom tried to make me listen to the secret on tape with her one time, and there's just so many gong noises that I checked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not, I don't think that's my bag. No. Um, all right, that was our last question, Grace. Duh. Oh my God! It's, Time it's... is an illusion. <laughs> I'm getting You're out... really good at this. I know. I'm just getting out all of my deep <laughs> right here, so that I can go back to my podcast and talk about pants pooping stories. Oh God, I'm yeah. so sad that I'm not going to be on not too deep this time because you... I want to tell you my pants pooping story. Ugh, next time, save it. Save I've it. I've got it already. Oh, I can't wait. 
So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. Uh, so it is time for the news now, though. Do you have any news from AFC Wimbledon? Blah, blah, de bloop, football, bloopy striker, the dance. <laughs> AFC Wimbledon, that's the, um, the, the thing over in Europe. Well, is it, mean. it's the football? Yeah, it's, yeah, John, it's John's sponsor. football team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He talked about it when he was on the, the television show. And he said that... Hmm. Because I asked, like, how was the team doing? Where are they in the ranking? And he said, you guys moved into another league? <laughs> Something like that. And then... <laughs> I don't think... Once, once upon a time, they moved into another league. They didn't do that this year. Yeah, okay. Uh, they, but they are, they are not leaving this league, which is a weird thing about English soccer, which I never, like, mm-hmm. this doesn't matter at all. Sure. To you or anyone. Okay. As far as... But uh, there are a bunch of different leagues... And unlike in American sports where a player just sort of rises the ranks, mm-hmm. a whole team can rise up the ranks. So if you're in like the top three spots of League f- of League Two, mm-hmm. then the next year you're in League One. And then if you're in the top two or three spots in that league, then you rise up again. Oh, and yes. if you're But if you're in the bottom two or three, then you drop leagues. Right. And that's a huge deal because like, you lose a bunch of money, you lose a bunch of sponsorships. It's very embarrassing. You, like, you aren't in, f- in the game FIFA anymore. Oh, my God. David Beckham looks down on you. He does. Yeah. He does that anyway. <laughs> he does. He's so tall. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I don't know much about European uh, football, but I went and saw my first like real real match um, two years ago or a year ago, and I loved it. The environment. I mean, talk about the antithesis of a baseball game. Yeah, it's so much fun. Everyone knows these cheers, and they know so <laughs> many of them. I think I watched um, Carthage play uh oh i don't remember the name it'll come to me later but they the uh, the fans were going nuts they're standing the entire time how they all knew it was probably like 20 or 30 original cheers that they were doing throughout this entire match and the kids are doing it it's like a lot of dads and sons and it was it was really really fun i would i want to see this like a sociological study of the evolution of a football chant Right? Like somebody has to come up with that, I know. but then it has to spread around. And so they're like, you, you're like, I want to see like the guys at the bar who are like, okay, the 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 guy's name that we want to make the chant about. <laughs> yeah. His name is Jeremy uh, Williams. Yeah. So what rhymes with Williams? I know. What? Yeah, exactly. That they're all on rhymezone.com trying to come up with their cheers. It's like I, at the bar on their iPhones, rhymezone. Yeah, I would love that. That there's one guy that just goes home every week and like tests out new cheers. <laughs> that would be so great. All um, right. So what is, what is the news? The news from Mars is that it looks like Mars might have been a lot more icy than we previously believed. <sighs> According to a new study that used atmospheric models to study how water would have moved between Mars's surface and its atmosphere, lead investigator Robin Wordsworth ran a number of models at different temperatures, and the model that most closely modeled the eroded features of Mars was the cold model, uh, where all the surface was ice water, uh, icy, where all the surface water was ice, and uh, that that uh, many of Mars's surface features are better explained by ice than by running water. Though there is other evidence showing clear signs of liquid water, this is a sign that Mars may have spent more time as a snowball than as a water world. 
Wow. They watched the movie Frozen on Mars and it got trendy. Maybe it was Elsa. <gasps> That's where Elsa lives. It's probably up. Oh. That makes so much sense. Right? Because there's that like weird snowman guy, oh my which God. probably couldn't have happened on Earth. He's probably actually a, a Mars, you know, native species. He's probably a native species of Mars. It, now it all makes sense. Frozen is just a, you know, an educational tool about the solar system. <laughs> We're learning so much. So that's it for this episode of Dear Hank and John, a uh, guest hosted by Grace Helbig Yay! without John. Sorry, John. You've been replaced. Grace is the uh, creator of YouTube.com slash It's Grace. And a wonderful podcast, Not Too Deep, available mm-hmm. here wherever you're listening to this. Also, of Grace's Guide, available wherever books are sold. Yes. And also, uh, The Grace Helbig Show on, on E. Is yes. that coming back? Um, I, it's, I, I probably can't talk about I that. Probably, I can't talk about it. It's in a hiatus mode right now. Yeah. So it's sleeping. Okay. We'll see if it wakes up. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's in a coma. It's and sleep, we don't know. It's a sleepy show. Yeah, it could go either way at this it's point. A, which uh, more people should have watched. Yeah. Well, uh, you should you get know, off your damn computers. That was, it's a, that was, talk about a real lesson in the way the media is going. Like, <laughs> you guys listen to this podcast. I mean, it's really hard to get you guys to turn on a television. <laughs> and I can't be upset because I don't do it either. Yeah. And uh, also a number of other amazing things that you just are always doing. Always doing things. Camp Dakota. Hey, USA. Hey, USA. Um, Collabing with every single YouTuber. Electro Mandina Girl. Oh, Electro Mandina Girl. Yeah. Woo! Um, yeah, a lot of really cool, exciting things. Many, many things. Our theme music. Bu- our theme music. <laughs> our theme music is by Gunnarola. The podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. If you have any questions for us, you can send them to hankandjohn at gmail.com. As we say in our hometown, don't forget to be awesome. That felt very powerful. <laughs> <laughs>